I preached this message. You know, Alan says, I'll preach a message, and I'll say, you know, I preached it so many years ago. I preached this message before when some of you were babies. Alicia, you were just little, walking around. The first time I preached this message, it was in 2001. And then I preached it again about five years ago. But every once in a while, we need to bring things around again. And I change it up some. You know, sometimes we need to rehearse the things that we once knew, lest we forget. You know, the Bible says we, we need to take earnest heed to the things we have heard, unless we let them slip away, like a vessel with holes. And so I'm going to talk today, also because I've had a few questions. And if you think, oh, I asked one of those questions. No, you weren't the only one that asked that question. I've had the same question three or four times. And so this teaching will address some of those questions. But it's called tongues, tongues, tongues. Tongues, tongues, tongues. And you're like, isn't once enough? Well, no, no, it's not, because we have your tongue, what comes out of your mouth. And then we have the prayer language tongues. And then we have the gift of tongues that requires an interpretation in the public setting of the church. And so the truth is that the human voice is a tool in the hand of God or in the hand of Satan. There's creative power in the spoken word. We can create calm. You know, the pilot can come on, it's turbulence in the plane, and ladies and gentlemen, do not worry, take your seats, all will be well, just going through a bit of, and you're calm. You can create chaos with your words. Oh, everybody hurry, something's going to happen. You know, your words carry a lot of weight. You can create fear with your words, you can create hope with your words, you can create life with your words, you can create health with your words. What you say affects people. Lies that someone told to defame you affects you. Hurtful remark that somebody said about you or to you, once you know it, it affects you. We have the spread by mouth diseases. Now remember, this was before COVID. <laughs> but you know, you have the colds and the flus and the germs. And, the, and so you, you, you know, what comes out of your mouth can affect people in a myriad of ways. Deception is spread by what people say. Even simple misunderstandings can cause confusion or disappointment or animosity. Yet, you likely heard the truth of the gospel out of somebody's mouth. <laughs> you heard teaching about healing out of somebody's mouth. Somebody's word of knowledge may have gotten you well. I've told leaders before, when you hear something negative, always try to get it from the source. Always question or verify before you believe everything you hear. Because sometimes I've gone, she said what? And they go, she said that. And then I'll go to her, I go, did you say? Well, no, this is how I said it. And this is what I said before it. And this is what I said after it. And it has a whole new meaning. And so what we say is important. I'm convinced that the longer I live, I'll be 70 in a few months, four, four something months, that Christians who shun watching things like soap operas sometimes simply create them in their own lives by the way they live, which is worse. And reality shows are really today's soap operas. Some of you are young, you don't even know what a soap opera is, but it's really reality shows, with, but these people aren't acting. They're just being real on these shows. And James 1.26 says this, one who is religious, it uses that word, and the word religious is from the word thriskos, refers to external observances. So really James is saying to us in 1.26, you're praying, you're fasting, you're attending church, you're refraining from all the bad stuff. The outward practices, you think they're commendable and they're good, but he says they are worthless if there is no tight rein on the tongue. 
A controlled tongue is a measure of spiritual maturity. So the control, meaning who or what, controls the tongue is a very spiritual issue. James 3, 1 through 12. Let's read that out of the New King James. My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we, teachers, shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, however, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. For indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. We look also at ships. They're, they're so large and they're driven by fierce winds. They are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member, and it boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude or the image of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Thus, no spring yields both salt, water, and fresh. Boy, those are hard words. Hard words, but verse 8 says no man can tame the tongue. No man. So don't condemn yourself. Because even though it's small and it seems insignificant, the tongue is powerful as this bears out. Nothing seems to trip up believers more than the tongue. And so this scripture gave us three illustrations. You've got the bit, a little thing, the horse, a big thing. You've got the rudder, a small thing compared to the huge ship. You've got the spark, which is, seems so minuscule compared to the entire forest. Yet in all three examples, we have very little things affecting very big things. God will not forcefully cause you to submit your tongue to him. He just won't. He doesn't really force you to do anything. He's given us free will. And so, you know, a lion tamer can tame a lion and bring it under subjection. But God doesn't do that with us. He doesn't tame us like that. But every tongue can yield. Yield. I don't know if you were singing yield, Julia, or I just heard yield. But yield is a huge word in the kingdom of God. Every tongue can yield. Romans 6.19 talks about presenting our members as servants to righteousness and holiness, meaning we yield our bodies. We, we can yield to God, or we cannot yield, because in big cities, nobody yields anymore. You know, you're walking down a sidewalk, and nobody yields. Like, they're going to run you over. You know, you're, you're in traffic, and, and, and nobody yields anymore. You're, you know, you're, you're coming off the freeway, and the people on the feeder, they're not yielding. <laughs> and, and, and Jesus won't make you yield, but you can yield to him. You can give him the right of way. You can let him steer you in the right direction. You can, you can decide that his desires are more important to you than the ones you had. And so we'll speak about yielding again in a second. Proverbs 15, 4 says this, a wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. So then the question begs to be asked, what's perverse? What is perverse? 
We're like, oh, I, I, you know, I read that stuff in the news, and I watch, oh, my God, the stuff that's going on, the sex trafficking, this human, such perverts. What is wrong with people? I get that. But really, when we think of perversion, we think of somebody else doing something we think is grotesque. But the dictionary says perverse is when something is used for a purpose other than what is intended. So Proverbs 18.21 says death and life are in the power of the tongue. And God's design for the tongue, the one that's in our mouth, is that since we're created in his image, is that just as he did, we will speak life into things. And so how do I know all the time how to do that? Like, how do I even know what I'm supposed to say? Because I don't have God's wisdom on everything. Romans 8, 26 and 7 says this, the Spirit will help us in our weaknesses. There's a lot of ways we're weak, but the Holy Spirit will help us in our weakness and our inabilities, for we do not often know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. He that searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession according to the will of God. Not according to our minds, not according to our thoughts, not according to our judgments, but according to the will of God. And so like today, there were times when I prayed in tongues. I think Alan might have prayed in tongues. We'll, we'll pray in tongues. Sometimes we're getting the mind of God. Like, God, I, I can feel you here. I know you have something to say. Lord, what is it? And I'll pray in tongues for a moment. There are times like a few weeks ago when Claire gave a tongue and an interpretation. But there is a tongue that needs an interpretation, and there is a tongue that you're praying to get the mind of the Lord. And so sometimes, you know, people are going, if it be thy will, if it be thy will. I hear this about healing all the time. That really bugs me because I'm like, well, then if you are not sure if it's God's will, why did you even take one pill? Why did you even make a doctor appointment? If you don't think it's God's will, you're trying to go against God's will. So obviously it's his will because you're trying everything you can to get rid of it in the natural. So it's his will, and we know his will from the word. Anything in the word is his will. No questions asked. But then there are things we don't know his will. See, we don't know all the time. Lord, what do you want to say this morning? I can feel your, your, your anointing here. Your power is present to do something. But what is it? And I might pray in tongues for a moment to get the mind of the Lord, to see what the Holy Spirit is interceding for, for him to give me the words. Alan does that on the worship team. People do it before they, they begin to preach. People do it before they begin to prophesy. And so if I don't really know how to pray, I pray in tongues. And I let the Holy Spirit pray through me until I get the mind of the Lord. Now, First, two chapters in the Bible, 1 Corinthians 2 and 1 Corinthians 14, deal with the fact that in the Spirit we speak mysteries, and we can tap into the hidden wisdom of God by praying in the Spirit. We can pray the plan of God for our life, the hidden things in a natural sense, by praying in the Spirit. God has opened people's eyes to things they didn't even realize he had for them while they were praying in the Spirit. God has imparted vision to people about their future while they were praying in the Spirit. John told me a while back he was starting to pray in the Spirit a lot more. I don't know if God gives you some of those words while you're praying in the Spirit, John, or they come in other ways. But praying in the Spirit is a valuable tool, and, 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 and a, a, it plugs us into the power source in a different way. And so we need that in this day and age more than ever before. We've always needed it, but boy, now do we need it. And so sometimes we get direction while we are praying in tongues. So the baptism in the Holy Spirit, I want to talk about that. We talked about our tongue. Now we're going to talk about the gift of tongues in two different ways. And so the Lord himself said, wait for, he told his disciples, wait for the promise in, in Acts. Wait for the promise like a present or a gift that I'm going to give you. Christmas is coming. If somebody says, I've got a present for you, it's going to be here on Christmas. 
You're waiting for it. You want it on Christmas. When Christmas comes, you want it. I'm ready for my present. You are ready. Uh, Acts 1.5 says, John baptized with water, but you, speaking of the disciples, shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And then the Bible expounds later on on what happened to them when the Holy Spirit came. And so here are some simple facts. I want to teach a thimbleful of what could take an ocean this morning. But really, the baptism in the Holy Spirit is a gift for all believers. I believe in the Gary Cassis series, the Kingdom Revolution series. It's lesson seven, isn't it? Okay, I know I saw that title as one of the chapters in the whole curriculum. So uh, Gary, I'm sure, will teach on it quite a bit more. But this is a gift for all believers. If you're a believer, you're eligible to receive the gift. You're eligible. Anyone who is born again, anyone who has received Jesus into their life, who has repented and asked Jesus to come in and take control of their life, is ready to immediately receive this gift. They don't have to be sanctified. They don't have to have all their habits dealt with. They don't have to be mature. They don't have to even be taught well in doctrine. Do you know that there was a time in our earlier days in the late 90s when some of my Generation Jesus leaders were at Randall's? And there were these two Asian dudes across the aisle. And I mean, these young boys were 18, 19, and 20, and they just decided that all Fort Bend County was going to be saved. And they were God's ambassadors. And really, we are, but we just don't think that way. And every place they went, they shared the gospel. And so they're at Randall's, and they see these Asian dudes who thought they were sort of bad. You know, in those days, people tried to make a big testimony by saying how bad they were. These young boys, they're Asian mafia. Oh, they, they saw a gun in somebody's car one time. It was probably their daddy's, and, and they stuck it in the trunk to make themselves feel big. But anyway, so they weren't Asian mafia. They were just some young dudes. And, and um, so one of our leaders began to witness to them. And they said, yeah, we'll receive Jesus. Yeah, yeah, we'll receive Jesus. And, they, and so the, the leader said, come back to our apartment. We want to pray with you. So our leaders start taking off their coats and jackets and stuff and putting down their pagers. People had pagers back then. And the Asian dudes thought they were going to fight them. And so they started getting ready, like, for a fight. Okay, we're up for this. And they go, no, 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 we just want to pray for you for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They prayed, and these young guys got it. My first thought was, oh, my gosh, they don't know anything. But see, that's not a prerequisite that you know anything. It's not a prerequisite that you know anything. You can just receive. And, and, so, and then I've known people who prayed for 20 years, and they didn't receive. But our young boys were so, like, convinced, fully persuaded that they, anybody could receive. We'd go, you haven't, you've been praying 20 years. Come on to our meeting. We'll have one of our young guys pray for you. You'll get it. And they did. <laughs> you'll, you'll get the evidence with speaking in tongues. And so the truth is, It shouldn't surprise us that people who speak in tongues can be messed up in areas of their life. Or they can be immature, even in their doctrine or their lifestyle, because that's not a requirement to receive. See, we went, those people speak in tongues, and I saw them doing this. (laughs) They speak in tongues, and do you know what they were teaching? Speaking in tongues is not some guarantee that your doctrine is correct. It's not a guarantee that you're mature, wise, holy, or anything. (laughs) It's just a gift. (laughs) Now, I don't know how the electricity works at my house. You know, I might be plugged into a power source. But if I have a problem, it's nice that I know more. It's nice that I understand how it works. It's nice that I understand what not to do. It's nice that I understand, you know, like not to just stick my wet finger in the socket. Okay, but really... Electricity works even when I don't understand it. 
And so the baptism of the Holy Spirit has been bestowed upon many unworthy people, of which I am one. I was born again three months, and I received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I didn't know what I know now, but I just knew I was a child of God, and he had a gift for me, and I was willing to receive. Now, receiving the Holy Spirit is accompanied by speaking in tongues as recorded in the scripture nearly, nearly every time it says that phrase. And it's no different for believers today. But yet, I was very afraid to be prayed for because I didn't want to go up and not receive because I was one of those performance-oriented kids before God healed me. And it's like if I went up and I didn't get it, that would mean what was wrong with me? I did something bad. Uh, I didn't have enough faith. I didn't, I didn't, I, I, I. And so God was merciful to me, and I received all by myself in my kitchen, uh, went to my knees. The power of God came. I lifted my hands and began to speak in tongues in 1976. Easy received all by himself. I didn't know him then in 1976. In his, uh, he went to his bedroom closet because he felt the power of God come on him. He didn't want anybody else to hear and think he was crazy. And he went and closed the, the, the closet door, lifted his hands, and the Holy Spirit and the, uh, the evidence of speaking in tongues began to pour out of him. 1976, but we didn't know a lot of stuff. We were new in the Lord. And so receiving now is no different than then. The Acts 2 4 says they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. Now, the problem is the Holy Ghost doesn't take you over. And so sometimes we're like waiting for this supernatural thing to happen and we're afraid to sort of like just release and, and let go. And you do the talking. He gives the utterance. You do the talking. Uh, there are those who've been prayed for and not received, and I would counsel you this because I know many people that waited a long time. Sometimes because we didn't, we don't have faith that we will. Because we go by our experience, and we're thinking, it didn't happen then, so I don't even want to try now. Man, if I did that on healing, I'd have been sick forever. You got to keep holding on sometimes and believing for even things that be not as though they were. And then there's a yieldingness aspect of it, that yield thing, where we've got to yield, we've got to let go. Now, faith can be affected by our doctrinal teaching or by our experience, bad or good. Um, if I know somebody that was in a church where uh, they, would, they would, you know, gather around. Okay, my, my, I talk about the first meeting I ever went to uh, at my mother's house when Mickey Winborn taught. But actually, there was a meeting prior, a year prior, that I rarely speak of. And um, my mom was at that meeting, and they got me to go. But it was such a, a, a crazy experience. I really don't talk about it much, but I'll, t I'll let you in on it this morning. And, and so I went to this meeting, and this woman of God was teaching, and she spoke in tongues half the time, and didn't, I didn't even know what was going on. And it was just sort of crazy. And she pointed me out of the crowd and gave me this word, and it scared me. Probably like some of our visitors get scared when we give them a word, like we're supposed to welcome the visitors, and we're scaring them. I was just sort of overwhelmed. I, it was just more than I could process, and I started to cry. And so the women took my tears as like an indication that I was ready to receive. And they pull me into this back room and they go, lift your hands. And I lifted my hands and they go, she's getting it, she's getting it. And I'm like, I'm getting what? And, and, like, and I, I was getting scared. And, and I, like, I, I didn't even know what to think. And I just thought, I want out of here. And, 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 <laughs> and sometimes we are the biggest block to people receiving all that God has for them. And, um, and so finally, I left that meeting. I decided I never wanted to go back to anything like that. But I knew that there was, there was something there that had sort of 
hit me. So it, it slightly intrigued me. And then a year later, when my mother just wouldn't quit talking about Jesus, I went, you know, to, to give it one more chance so I could say I never want to come back for sure. And, and <laughs> but that didn't happen. And so, <laughs> so the truth is, the, the, to tame the tongue issue is addressed even in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. See, God won't take our tongue. It's just a little thing. It's petite, but it's powerful. But if it's such a little thing, have you ever wondered why people make such a big deal of it? Okay, there was a time when one of our leaders says, why don't we just go ahead and get it over with and put a sign on the front door and go, we speak in tongues. That way, when you come in, you know, and we, we don't have people going, wait a minute, can you do that? I mean, I've had people, I've had 19-year-old boys that just came to the Lord one month go, you're not supposed to be teaching in the church. You're a woman. You know what I mean? So people think they know a lot of stuff they don't know. And, and they, they understand things they don't understand. But the speaking in tongues thing has lots of questions. It's okay to have questions. It's okay to be a learner. It's okay to ask. I'm asking the most questions on Wednesday night. And, um, you know, so far, but I'm going to try not to this next Wednesday night. I'm really going to try. Y'all pray for me. But um, it's okay to learn. It's okay to ask questions. We don't know everything. Okay, but we must maintain a posture of being a learner. See, that's the difference. And so I cannot recount the complaints over the last 25 years or so that I've had about praying in tongues. There are people who decided we prayed too long. And I'm like, well, what can too long be if the people who are in charge don't think that's too long? Who are you? Like, who's supposed to decide the length? Like, who in the room? Okay, uh, too loud. So what are we going to do? Okay, decibel meter. Okay, let's, let's go down. The, like, too loud. Like, what's too loud? Uh, too much. Paul said, I pray in tongues more than you all, but we prayed too much. And so some of this is about preference or opinion or style. Some people go, y'all are praying in front of people. And then some people go, but y'all, I go, yeah, yeah. Well, y'all are praying in front of unbelievers. Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, there, was a, there was a tongue without an interpretation. I go, we were just praying in our prayer language. That was not the gift of tongues, as mentioned in 1 Corinthians. That was not the, the, the gift of tongues and interpretation, which basically equals prophecy. And then some people honestly have asked me, and we discussed it recently, why are we not hearing as much tongues and interpretation nowadays? Because tongues and interpretation equal prophecy. And it's interesting to me, but this younger generation, it's like they sort of bypass the tongue sometimes and they just move right into the prophecy. Doesn't mean it's better or worse. It's just a style. It's just a preference, but it's still getting God's word across. And so we have tongues and interpretation and we have prophecy, but we also have the private prayer language of tongues, our devotional prayer language, which can be prayed any time. And then there was somebody that received, and they were at my house, and I go, well, let's pray in tongues. Here? I go, yeah. Why not here? I don't know. It just feels like I'm supposed to do it at church. And I, <laughs> like, I go, no, the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. Let's pray. I go, I'm going to start right now, and you can start too. And I started, and I go, and they just sort of looked shocked for me. And I go, go on, come on. And they did, and I had, they had to let themselves feel comfortable doing it not at church. There's a lot of weird mindsets we have, and there's a lot of limitations we put on things that God is not putting, that God is not putting. And so speaking in tongues is not only an initial evidence of a believer being filled with the Spirit, but it should also be a continuing experience and expression, a flowing stream that shouldn't dry up. Many times I have seen a correlation between believers' time of praying in the Spirit and they're, they're flourishing in spiritual things. Now, it's not a substitute for obedience. It's not a substitute for correct doctrine. 
It's not a substitute for right living, but all other things being equal, praying in the Spirit does edify and refresh. And Jude 20 says, Beloved, building yourselves up, praying on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. So we get built up by praying in the Spirit. We need to be built up. Every place we go, we're pulled down. Every place we go, the news is, is discouraging. Uh, people are, are having an animosity toward Christians as never before. We need to be built up in our most holy faith and know who we are in Christ. Oh, one thing I want to say, you know, even though we're talking about speaking in tongues, there's a lot of people that speak in tongues, but I've often said, but I care a lot about if you can speak the truth when you get up and talk in English. So speaking in tongues is not a substitute for all other things that the Bible talks about. We tend to have this thing that we do with the Bible, and it's like pick a scripture. Let me just pick a scripture, and then I'll go with that. See, God says we must live by the whole counsel of God, and that no scripture is a private interpretation. That doesn't mean I can't go and ask God what this means all by myself. It means you can't interpret one scripture all by itself without a harmony of all the other scriptures. And so we need to get the word in us, but we need to also get the fruit operating in our life, like Cammie talked about self-control. But then we also need to be open to all the gifts of the Spirit as well, so that we're behind lacking in nothing. And so I told you about how I received and easy received, but then others have received as someone laid hands on them. I know several people who were prayed for, for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and didn't receive the, the evidence of speaking in tongues right then. And at some time later, they just woke up from a sleep speaking in tongues. Uh, there's, there's no rules here. There's no limits. And then you might go, well, what if I don't feel anything when I'm prayed for? I have never been able to find one scripture, one shred of Bible evidence that says you've got to feel anything. You might, you might not. And an interesting point to me is that people who are totally deaf some who are deaf-mute have actually begun to speak fluently in tongues when prayed for to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. At my mother's house in the late 70s, there was a visitor that came to one of her prayer meetings, and they were from France, and they did not understand the language that we were speaking. They did not speak English. And someone began to speak in tongues, and this young person said, I understood every word they said. And it was something that they needed to hear. It changed their life. Sometimes the tongue is known, a known language. Sometimes it's not a known language. That person didn't feel, they didn't know French. They weren't speaking anything that even sounded like French to them. But that other person, somehow, in the spirit, God gave them the translation for exactly what was being said. Jesus said, you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. Acts 1.8 talks about being endued with power from on high. There is a power aspect of the gospel. There was a full gospel church. I'm going to read you a little quick excerpt from a paragraph of Rita and Dennis Bennett's book, The Holy Spirit in You. In a full gospel church in Oregon, there was a young man. He had married a Japanese girl while he was stationed in Japan with the armed forces. The young couple returned to the United States, and they were doing well, except that the young lady flatly resisted her husband's Christian faith. She held steadfastly to her Buddhism. One night, after the evening service, the couple was at the altar. He was praying to God through Jesus Christ, and she was praying Buddhist prayers. Next to them was kneeling a middle-aged woman, a housewife from the community. As this woman began to pray out loud in tongues, the Japanese bride grabbed her husband's arm. Listen, she whispered in excitement. This woman is speaking to me in Japanese. 
She is saying, you have tried Buddha and he does you no good. Why don't you try Jesus Christ? She is not speaking to me in the ordinary Japanese language. She is speaking temple Japanese. And she used my whole Japanese name and nobody in this country even knows it. The young lady obviously became a Christian. <laughs> God can do supernatural things when you don't even have a clue what he's doing. You're just doing what he's leading you to do. And it can make a life-altering, life-changing difference in somebody else's life. The awesome power of the Holy Spirit is available to every single one of us. It's at our disposal. I wrote this down, Alan, miracles, healing, signs, and wonders. And you began to sing those words this morning. Because to me, as we plug in more to the power source, as we get hungry for more of God, as we allow him to use us more fully, we will see more miracles, signs, and wonders, and healings. The, the, the Bible talks about grieving the Holy Spirit. We never want to grieve the Holy Spirit. How is the Holy Spirit grieved? If he wants to come in this room and he wants to flow and we just decide, no, nope, we need to get on with our program. We need so long for announcements and we need so long for the sermon. And, and we, we bump God out of the way. I have felt the Holy Spirit grieved in certain services before. May we never do that here. I don't want to quench the Holy Spirit. Riley came up. I had a word from God. You're just, you're just 12, Riley. When you, you're just 13, Riley. How can, uh, I can quench the Holy Spirit because God can work through anybody in this room, young, old, new. Uh, it doesn't mean I'm going to let everybody prophesy until they're tested, but we don't want to quench or grieve the Holy Spirit. We want freedom in the Lord because God, we need to get God out of the box. God wants to get us out of our box. And sometimes we're in a mental box about the way we think has to work. We've received word after word that the next revival won't look anything like our past revival. See, that's a, that's a problem. We've been in revival before, so we have a picture of what it's going to look like. What if it looks totally different? And then we miss it because we think it was supposed to look a way that it doesn't even look this time. And so we've got to open our hearts to God in every single way we can. So what we need to do is yield to the Holy Spirit. Yield. We're back to the yield word. So I want to yield to him so that every mindset in me that maybe has a, a stronghold or maybe I've closed a door and I think this is how it's got to be and God says, no, it doesn't. I want to yield to him if he wants to speak through me and I go, but I'm shy and I don't want to speak out and I don't want to say that on the mic. You, you know, I know, one time Ivana goes, I don't like talking on the microphone. But Ivana, thank you for talking on the microphone this morning. You see, we, it may not be how we like it, but if it's how God wants it, I want it. If it's what God wants, I'm in agreement. I didn't like to do many things God had me do, but now it's my joy and my fulfillment. And so God's way is the best way. There is a way that seems right to us, but it does not lead to the fulfillment that God's way leads to. His way might be high, but his way will bring great fulfillment, great joy. Stand to your feet with me. Father, we just want to yield to you in every way. We want to acknowledge you in all our ways, but yield to you, Lord, in every way. We don't want to have mindsets that come against the knowledge of God. We want to pull down those thoughts, Lord, that aren't in agreement with your thoughts. And so, Father, I thank you that everyone in here who has accepted Jesus Christ as Lord is qualified, ready to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Lord, that every one of us can be used as you will. We open our hearts, God, to anything you might want to do through us. We quit limiting ourselves. We quit Putting rules on it, God. We don't want rules. We just want it right. And Lord, you know what's right. And so, Father, we just thank you. We praise you. We thank you for what you've spoken to us today. We thank you for the way you've spoken through to us about healing. We thank you that we're opening our hearts, Lord, in the ways that maybe we've been blocked a little bit and we've decided to settle for things that you're not settling for. And so, Father, I thank you that we will put an expectation in our heart for everything that you said is ours. See, many times we don't receive because we're not expecting. We're not expecting. Father, we expect 
that your word is true. We believe that what you have said is right and true, and you are not a man that you would lie. And so we expect that your promises are yes and amen, and everybody said amen.